Howdy howdy, my name is Lily from Makecraft Game and you're listening to Reading Rulebooks. Today we're going to be reading the massive book for the game Scythe, so let's get into it. Scythe is a board game set in an alternate history 1920s. It is a time of farming and war, broken hearts and rusted gears, innovation and valor. Backstory. The ashes from the First Great War still darken the snow in 1920s Europa. The capitalistic city-state, known simply as the Factory, which fueled the war with heavily armored mechs, has closed its doors, drawing the attention of several nearby countries. With characters from five factions converging onto a small but highly desired swath of land, who will gain fame and fortune by establishing their empire as the leader of Eastern Europa? Object of the game. In Scythe, each player represents a character attempting to make their faction the richest and most powerful in Eastern Europa. Players explore and conquer territory, enlist new recruits, produce resources and workers, build structures, and deploy monstrous mechs. A game of Scythe typically begins with players building up their infrastructure, exploring the world, then engaging each other in combat. The game progresses as players place stars, achievements, on the board, and it ends when a player places their sixth star on the triumph track. You can earn a star for accomplishing any of the following. Complete all six upgrades, deploy all four mechs, build all four structures, enlist all four recruits, have all eight workers on the board, reveal one completed objective card, win combat up to two times, have 18 popularity, or have 16 power. Goal. The goal is to have the greatest fortune at the end of the game. A typical winning fortune is around $75. You can accumulate coins during the game, but you will earn most of them during endgame scoring in the following three categories. Every star token placed, every territory controlled, and every two resources controlled. The amount of coins you earn depends on your level on the popularity track. The higher your popularity, the more coins you will earn. You can also get a few bonus coins based on where you build structures. A table of contents can be found on page 2 of this rulebook. Global components. One quick reference guide, five player mats, one game board, 80 resource tokens, 20 each of food, metal, wood, and oil, either as wooden tokens, regular scythe, or realistic tokens, collector and art connoisseurs edition. 80 cardboard coins, 12 multiplier tokens, 12 encounter tokens, 6 structure bonus tiles, 42 combat cards, yellow, 23 objective cards, beige, 28 encounter cards, green, 12 factory cards, purple, 2 power dials, 5 riverwalk cards, 5 quick start cards, and any promo items, which we'll talk about more later in the rulebook. Faction components. There are 5 factions, Nordic, with the primary color blue, Saxony, with the primary color black, Polania with the primary color white, Crimea with the primary color yellow, and Rusvit with the primary color red. Each faction will have one faction map, one action token, one popularity token, one power token, six star tokens, four structure tokens, four recruit tokens, four mech miniatures, one character miniature, eight workers, and six technology cubes. Important concepts. Territory. A territory is a hex on the board labeled with one of the following terrain types. Farm, forest, mountain, tundra, village, lake, and factory. 
The primary terrain types include farm, forest, mountain, tundra, and village. Home base. You have a home base that serves as a starting point and as a place to retreat after losing combat. It is not a territory. A home base is not a territory, so by default, you cannot move units, build structures, or deploy mechs onto any home base, including your own. Expansion factions. There are two home bases on the game board without corresponding pieces. These are placeholders for expansion factions. Control. You control a territory if you have at least one unit there, a character, worker, or mech, or if you have a structure there with no enemy characters, workers, or mechs. Only one player at a time can control a territory. Resources. Resource tokens, wood, food, metal, and oil, remain on the board once produced. You may only spend resources from territories you currently control. Spend resources from any territory you control. You can spend resources on territories you control for actions related to territories anywhere on the board. For example, you can spend three metal tokens you control on one or more territories to deploy a mech on the same or a different territory if you have a worker on that territory. Supply. When you spend a resource, remove it from the board and place it in the general supply at the side of the board. When you produce or trade for a resource, details in the top row action section, move it from the supply to the territory where it was produced. There are no limits to the number of resources tokens in the game. Use multiplier tokens as needed. Workers aren't resources. Resources are wood, food, metal, and oil. Workers are not resources. Example of resource control. In the image found on page four, the Nordic faction controls each of the territories on which it has one of its units or structures, blue pieces including the character miniature with the blue base. It can spend any of the resources on those territories. It cannot spend the metal tokens on the territory on the bottom left because it does not have a unit or structure there. Types of units. Each of the three unit types in the game, characters, mechs, and workers share two key similarities. They can move around the board, not over rivers or onto lakes by default. They can transport any number of resource tokens. Each type of unit also has some unique traits that aren't shared by other unit types. These concepts will be explained in detail later in the rules. Characters can engage in combat, can have encounters, and, once per game, gain a factory card if they end their movement on the factory. You are represented on the board by your character. You have been sent on a mission by your faction's leader to claim the uncharted lands surrounding the defunct factory. Mechs can engage in combat and, when moving, can transport any number of workers. Mechs cannot transport your character. Mechs are built for war and for discouraging other factions from engaging in war with them, and they're big enough that they can carry workers within their iron shell. Workers can produce resources and more workers, deploy mechs, and build structures. These are the people of the land who have joined your cause to build an empire for you. A visual cue in Scythe is that tokens that take part in combat are made out of plastic, characters, and mechs. All other tokens are made out of wood to show that they do not take part in combat, worker, resources, and structures. Setup. Board setup. Encounter tokens, green compass. Place one encounter token on each territory marked with an encounter symbol on the board. 11 total tokens. Resources and coins. Place resource tokens, wood, oil, food, and metal, and coins and multiplier tokens in a supply area next to the board. 
Combat cards, yellow. Shuffle the combat cards and put them on the top right corner of the board. If a combat card would need to be drawn from an empty deck, first shuffle the discard pile to create a new deck. If both the deck and discard pile are empty, no cards are drawn. Factory cards, purple. Shuffle the factory cards and randomly select X cards face down, where X is the number of players plus one. Place those cards on the board face down and return the rest of the factory cards to the box without looking at them. Encounter cards, green. Shuffle the encounter cards and place them on the board in the bottom left corner. Objective cards, beige. Shuffle the objective cards and place them on the board on the allocated spot in the bottom edge. Structure bonus tile. Randomly select one of the structure bonus tiles and place it face up at the bottom of the popularity track. Faction selection. Randomly shuffle the faction mats and player mats. Then deal one of each to each player. Each player should sit near the home base of their faction with their faction mat and player mat positioned in front of them. The seating order should be Nordic, Roosevelt, Crimea, Saxony, Polania, clockwise from the top. Starting cards and track positions. Both the faction mat and player mat indicate your starting cards and track positions in the box on the far right of each mat. Your faction mat will indicate the following setup. Combat cards. Draw the indicated number of combat cards. The number of combat cards you have is public information, but the content of those cards is kept secret from opponents. Power token. Place your power token on the indicated level of the power track on the game board. Power is the commodity you will spend in combat. The player mat will indicate the following setup. Popularity token. Place your popularity token, heart, on the indicated level of the popularity track on the game board. Coins. Gain the indicated amount of coins and place them on your faction mat. While the number of coins you have during the game is not hidden information, you are never required to reveal their total value to other players. The decision you make in Scythe are not impacted by each of your opponent's coin totals. Objective cards. Draw the indicated number of objective cards. The content of those cards are kept secret from opponents. After all players have drawn their objective cards, return the objective deck to the board. Character. Place your character, miniature with the person and animal, on your faction's home base. Workers. Place one worker on each of the territories connected to your home base by land. A total of two workers. Player mat. Your player mat is where you'll be choosing actions during the game. Technology cubes. Put six technology cubes on your player mat on the green boxes that have a black square in the bottom right corner. Workers. Your remaining six workers, meeples, go on the rectangles above the produce action. Structure tokens. Your four structure tokens, wooden buildings, armory, monument, mine, and mill, go on top of the corresponding boxes. Each player has the same four structures. Action token. Place your action token next to your player mat. Recruit tokens. Your four recruit tokens, cylinders, go on the circular spaces on the bottom row of the player mat. Starting player. The player with the lowest number in the label on their player mat will go first. Play proceeds clockwise from there. Designer's note. The higher number player mats offer slightly more lucrative starting track positions than others, as those players are more likely to have one fewer turn by the end of the game than the player who goes first. Faction mat. Your faction mat is where you keep your mechs, 
stars, and coins. Each faction mat also shows a special ability in the upper right corner. Stars. Place your six star tokens at the upper left near the faction emblem. Do not put tokens on top of the recruit one time bonus, bottom left corner. You'll gain these benefits when enlisting recruits during the game. Mechs. Place your four mech miniatures on top of the four mech slash character abilities. Quick start guide. We recommend that you don't try to teach every little rule to new players. Instead, give each player a quick start card. This card contains key information about units on one side, and the other side covers board concepts and gives players something specific to do for their first five turns. Your first game of Scythe isn't about devising a masterful plan or understanding every little rule. Just jump in and start pushing buttons to see how things work, referring to the rules when necessary. Riverwalk card. The Riverwalk cards, one per player, are a reminder as to which factions have the ability to cross into each territory if they unlock the Riverwalk mech ability. As each Riverwalk ability is slightly different, this ability is explained for each factions later in the rulebook. Gameplay. Scythe uses an ongoing action selection mechanism, no rounds or phases. Players take turns one after another until a player places their sixth star on the board immediately ending the game. On your turn, do the following in sequential order. 1. Place your action token on a different section of your player mat than where it was on your previous turn. 2. Take the top row action on that section once, optional. 3. Take the bottom row action on that section once, also optional. Thus, you may take a single action, both actions, from top to bottom, or neither action, but you must still move your action token. You may use resources gained from the top row action to pay for the bottom row action. Also, you may complete an objective card during your turn. See the objective section. The costs, red boxes, and benefits, green boxes, on your player mat are shown by the number of empty spaces before the action is taken. When taking an action, first pay the cost, then gain as much or as little of the benefit as you wish. You may only take an action once on your turn, not multiple times. After you've completed your turn, or as you're finalizing your decision on the bottom row action, it is critical for turns to overlap in this matter to keep the game moving at a steady pace. The next person in clockwise order takes their turn. Top row actions. The top row actions appear in a different order on each player mat, though each action is identical. The player mat visuals and the default costs and benefits explained in this section are based on the starting position of each player mat. Move. Do one of the following. Slash means or. Move. Move up to two different units you control, characters, workers, or mechs, from one territory or home base to one adjacent territory. Move one, then move the other. Gain coins. Gain one dollar. Here are some important notes about how movement works. Resources and workers. Units may pick up and drop off any number of resource tokens during a move action. Mechs. In addition to resources, your mechs can pick up and drop off any number of your workers during a move action. If they do, this does not count as movement for the workers, just the mechs. 
you could transport some workers on a mech, and then one of those workers could move on its own. You could also use part of your move action to move a worker onto a territory with a mech, then move the mech while carrying the worker. Rivers and Lakes By default, units may not move across rivers or onto lakes. This rule is broken by some mech abilities. See mech abilities for Polania and Nordic. River. A river is a body of water on the border between two land territories. Lake. A lake is a body of water comprised of an entire territory hex. It extends from the hex to any adjacent shoreline. Thus, in the example shown on page 11, if a player has a special lake movement ability, they can move from any of the surrounding territories onto the lake. Tunnels. For the purpose of the move action for any unit, all territories with the tunnel icon are considered to be adjacent to each other. Moving into opponent-controlled territories, controlled by workers. If your character or mech move into a territory controlled by an opponent's worker and no other units, its movement ends, even if you have a mech ability that would allow it to move further. Each of the opponent's workers on that territory immediately retreats to their faction's home base, leaving behind any resource tokens. You lose one popularity for each of their workers you forced to retreat. They're not happy with you forcing them off their land. In the case that you cannot reduce your popularity any further, the workers are still forced to retreat. Your workers cannot move by themselves into territories controlled by opponent workers. Controlled by a structure. Any unit can move into a territory controlled by a structure. The player who controls the unit now also controls the territory. Controlled by character and or mechs. If your character or mech moves into a territory controlled by an opponent's character and or mech, its movement ends, even if you have a mech ability that would allow it to move further. The opponent still temporarily controls that territory. After you've completed all move actions, if any of your mechs or your character share a territory with an opponent's character or mechs, combat happens, which we'll talk about in the combat section. Your workers cannot move by themselves into or out of territories controlled by opponent's characters and or mechs. Home base. By default, you may not use the move action to move any units from the board into any home base, including yours. Encounters. If you move your character into a territory with an encounter token, their movement ends, and they cannot move again this turn. After resolving all combats for this turn, if your character is still in such a territory, discard the encounter token and resolve the encounter, which we'll talk about in the encounter section. No limit. There is no limit to the number of same faction units that can be on a territory. Bolster. Pay the cost $1 and gain one of the following. Power. Increase your power by two on the power track. Power is the commodity you will spend in combat. Combat cards. Draw one combat card. Combat cards are used to augment the power you spend in combat. You may spend up to one combat card per character or mech in combat. If a combat card would need to be drawn from an empty deck, first shuffle the discard pile and create a new deck. If there is no discard pile, no cards are drawn. Trade. 
Pay the cost $1 and gain one of the following. Resources. Gain any two resource tokens, any combination of oil, metal, food, and or wood, and place them on any territory you control with at least one worker on it. You may not take the trade action to pay for resources if all of your workers are on your home base. Popularity. Increase your popularity by one on the popularity track. Popularity is a commodity used in encounters, and it determines your scoring multiplier at the end of the game. Strategy tip. While producing with workers will provide the bulk of most players' resources, trading has some benefits over producing that should not be underestimated. For example, trading for a desired resource is sometimes preferable to moving a worker to a territory that provides that resource. The action that you would have spent on movement can now be used for something more productive. Trading also allows players to access resources that aren't available in their homeland. Produce. Pay the cost, depending on what is shown on all exposed red rectangles before taking the produce action, choose up to two different territories you control, and all workers on those territories may produce. On the territories you selected for production, each worker may produce one token. The resource token is placed on the territory where it was produced. If a worker produces another worker by producing on a village, after paying the produce cost, pick up the leftmost worker of the produce action on your player mat and place it on the village. If the terrain type is mountain, then it produces metal. If it is farm, it produces food. If it is tundra, it produces oil. If it is forest, it produces wood. And if it is a village, it produces a worker. The lake and factory terrain types do not produce anything. Example. If you choose to produce on two territories, a farm with one worker and a mountain with two workers, you will produce one food on the farm and one or two metal on the mountain. Payment is required. As is the case with any action, you must be able to pay the full cost to take the produce action. If you don't have the coins popularity and or power, you must take other actions instead. No limit. Any number of resource tokens or workers can be on a territory. There is no limits to the number of resource tokens in the game. If necessary, place a multiplier token next to the resource tokens on the board. Workers are permanent. Once you have a worker on the board, you cannot return it to your player mat. It is possible, albeit very rare, that players may find themselves in a position where they cannot take any action. If they took a move action and have no coins, resources, power, or popularity. If that happens, the player must take a dead turn where they choose another section of the player mat without taking any of the actions there. We recommend being thrifty with coins early in the game to prevent this from happening. Bottom row actions. The bottom row actions are in the same order on all player mats, but the costs and benefits vary. The player mat visuals and the default cost and benefits explained in this section are based on the starting position of each player mat. Overlapping turns. Usually when a player starts to take the bottom row action, which isn't interactive but may take a few seconds to figure out, the next player can start to take their turn. Coins. Most of the bottom actions give you at least one coin when you pay to take that action. We recommend that players take the coins before implementing the main focus of the action 
so they don't forget to gain those coins. A player may choose not to take the coins, i.e. if coins interfere with their objective. Completing actions. Eventually, you may complete a bottom row action, i.e. with the upgrade action, at some point you may have nothing more to upgrade. After that point, you may continue to pay the cost of the action to gain the coins, and the recruit bonus if applicable. Each of the bottom actions has a recruit ongoing bonus, green circle. Recruits. If it is exposed, it rewards a player when they or adjacent opponents take this action. See the enlist section for details. Upgrade. Upgrading improves the efficiency of the infrastructure in your growing empire. The resource used to upgrade is oil. To upgrade, pay the cost, pick up a technology cube from any green box on your player mat and place it on any empty red box with bracketed borders. Red boxes with solid black borders are off limits for upgrades. Example, you decide you want to be able to produce on three territories instead of two. Ignore the mill for this example. And you want to decrease the cost of enlisting a recruit by one food. By taking the upgrade action, in addition to paying the oil cost and gaining the coin benefit, pick up any technology cube from a green box, in this case, the produce action benefit, and move it to any red box with bracketed borders, in this case, the enlist actions cost. This example can be found on page 14. Deploy. You can deploy mechs, miniatures, to protect your workers, expand your empire, and add new abilities to your character and other mechs. The resource used to deploy mechs is metal. To deploy a mech, pay the cost, choose any mech on your faction mat, and place that mech on a territory you control with at least one worker on it. You can't deploy mechs onto lakes, even if your faction has mech abilities allowing your mechs to move to lakes. From now on, your character and all mechs, not your workers, gain the ability on the faction mat that was under the mech miniature. These abilities vary from faction to faction. Saxony, Riverwalk. Your character and mechs can move across rivers, onto forests and mountains. Underpass. For the purpose of move actions for your characters and mechs, mountains you control and all tunnels are considered to be adjacent to each other. For example, if your mech is on a mountain, it can move from that mountain to A, any other mountain you control, or B, any tunnel or your mine. Disarm. Before you engage in combat on a territory with a tunnel or your mine, the combating opponent loses two power. This loss of power is reflected on the power track. You may do this once per combat, not once per unit. Speed. Your character and mechs may move one additional territory when moving. If any of those units move into a territory containing an opponent's character, mech, or worker, their movement ends and they cannot move again this turn. Moving from one tunnel to another still counts as one move. So with this ability, you can move an additional territory before or after moving through a tunnel. Your mechs can pick up and drop off resources and workers in the middle of a move action when they have the speed ability. Rusvit, Riverwalk. Your character and mechs can move across rivers onto farms and villages. Township. For the purpose of move actions for your character and mechs, villages you control and the factory are considered to be adjacent to each other. 
For example, if your mech is on a village, it can move from that village to A, any other village you control, or B, the factory. People's Army. In combat, where you have at least one worker, you may play one additional combat card. You still require a character or mech to participate in combat. For example, if you have two mechs and three workers in combat, you may play up to three combat cards, one for each mech and one because you have at least one worker. Speed. Your character and mechs may move one additional territory per movement. See Saxony for full details. Nordic. Riverwalk. Your character and mechs can move across rivers, onto forests, and mountains. Seaworthy. Your character and mechs can move to and from lakes and retreat onto adjacent lakes. You may still also retreat those units to your home base. This allows for lake hexes to be treated the same as other territories for movement. If a mech transports workers onto a lake during a move action or when retreating, or if a character or mech transports resources onto a lake, you may not leave those workers or resources on the lake after moving off of it, nor may a worker move off of the lake without the assistance of the mech. Lakes are territories, so if two factions have a lake movement ability, it is possible for combat to happen on a lake. You cannot build a structure or deploy a mech on a lake. Artillery. Before you engage in combat, you may pay one power to force the combating opponent to lose two power. This loss of power is reflected on the power track. You may do this once per combat, not once per turn. Speed. Your character and mechs may move one additional territory per movement. See Saxony for full details. Crimea. Riverwalk. Your character and mechs can move across rivers, onto farms, and tundra. Wayfair. Your character and mechs may move from a territory or home base to any inactive faction home base or your own, regardless of the distance. An inactive faction is any faction not currently in the game, including the expansion factions. Normally, players may not move onto any home base, but this is an exception to that rule. Scout. Before you engage in combat, steal one of the opponent's combat cards at random and add it to your hand. You may do this once per combat, not once per unit. Speed. Your character and mechs may move one additional territory per movement. See Saxony for full details. Polania. Riverwalk. Your character and mechs can move across rivers onto villages and mountains. Submerge. Your characters and mechs may move to and from lakes and move from any lake to another, similar to tunnel movement but with lakes. If a mech transports workers onto a lake or if a character or mech transports resources onto a lake, you may not leave those workers or resources on the lake after moving off of it nor may a worker move off of a lake without the assistance of the mech. Lakes are territories, so if two factions have a lake movement ability, it is possible for combat to happen on a lake. You cannot build a structure or deploy a mech on a lake. Camaraderie. You do not lose popularity when forcing an opponent's workers to retreat after winning combat as the aggressor. This applies any time on your turn when your character or mechs force an opponent's workers to retreat after combat. Speed. Your character and mechs may move one additional territory per movement. See Saxony for full details. Build. You can build structures, structure tokens, to enhance your actions, control territories, and get endgame bonuses. The resource used to build structures is wood. 
To build the structure, pay the cost, pick up any structure from your player mat, and place it on a territory you control with at least one worker on it. Limit one per territory. Only one structure can be built on each territory. So if you're the first player to build a structure on a specific territory, neither you nor any opponent may build another structure there. Structure control. Opponents can't use your structure abilities. You always get the abilities from your structures, even if you don't control the territories they are on, except for the mill. You can't produce on the mill's territory if you don't control that territory. Territory control. A territory with one of your structures on it is under your control even if you have no units there. However, if an opponent's unit is on a territory with your structure, the structure is under their control. Permanence. Structures cannot be destroyed or moved. Factory. You may build on the factory territory. Places you can't build. Your home base isn't a territory, so you can't build there. You also cannot build structures on lakes. Ongoing bonus. The benefit revealed by removing a structure from your player mat is an additional benefit you will gain when taking the top row action directly above it in the future. Monument. Whenever you take the bolster action, also gain one popularity. Mill. Whenever you take the produce action, the territory with the mill may count as an extra bonus territory for production. The mill will produce as if it were a worker. If there are actual workers on the mill territory, they may also produce resources. Mine. The mine acts as a tunnel that only you can use. You may move units to and from your mine as if it is a tunnel, even if an opponent controls the territory the mine is on. Unlike the other structures, this is an ongoing ability associated with all unit movement. Armory. Whenever you take the trade action, also gain one power. End game bonus. At the end of the game, players will gain coins for achieving the goals shown on the structure bonus tile that was randomly selected during setup. You gain this bonus even if you don't control the territories the structures are on. This bonus represents how property value has strengthened your expanding empire. The six structure bonus tiles are as follows. Number of tunnel territories adjacent to your structures. Only count each tunnel once. A mine does not count as a tunnel for this purpose, and rivers do not break adjacency. Number of lakes adjacent to your structure. Only count each lake once. Number of encounters adjacent to your structure. Only count each encounter once. These count whether or not the encounter tokens are still there. Rivers do not break adjacency. Number of tunnel territories with your structures on them. A mine does not count as a tunnel for this purpose. Number of your structures in a row. Any continuous straight line of is fine. Only count the longest row of structures you have. Rivers do not break continuity. Number of farms and tundras with your structures on them. Example, the structure bonus for this game is the number of lakes adjacent to your structure. If you had two structures positioned as shown on page 19, you would gain coins for four lakes, a total of $6. You gain those coins even if you do not control the territories your structures are on. Enlist. You can enlist new recruits, cylindrical tokens, to join your forces. The resources used to enlist recruits is food. One-time bonus. To enlist a recruit, pay the cost, pick up a recruit token from any section on your player mat. 
place it on any open recruit one-time bonus space on your faction mat and immediately gain the depicted bonus. This represents what your new recruit is immediately contributing to your forces. The token remains there permanently. It can't be moved. The four one-time bonuses are gain two power, gain two coins, gain two popularity, and draw two combat cards. Ongoing bonus. In addition to the one-time bonus, each recruit gives you one recruit ongoing bonus related to the action from which you selected the recruit token, the bonus in the circle. This represents a skill the recruit brings to your force. For the rest of the game, whenever you or the player to your immediate left or right, these players are shown in the icon in the red circle, take the bottom row action in the section of the player mat from which the recruit was taken, you may gain the specified bonus. Top row actions or a similar action on a factory card, see the factory section, do not count. Player order. If more than one player would gain a recruit ongoing bonus, the active player goes first, followed by the player to their left, then the player to their right. If one of those players places their sixth star as a result, the game immediately ends. See game end and scoring. Proclamation. You must announce when you take bottom row actions so adjacent players know to check for recruit ongoing bonuses. Two-player rules. In a two-player game, whenever your opponent takes an action that would give you a recruit ongoing bonus, you only gain it once. Faction abilities. Each faction has a special ability indicated at the upper right of the faction mat. Rosviet, Relentless. You may choose the same section of your player mat as the previous turn. The Rusviets push their people hard, day after day, to achieve their ultimate goal. While other factions let their infrastructure take a break from turn to turn, the Rusviet faction may choose the same section of their player mat as the previous turn. This ability also applies to a factory card if you have one. See factory section. Crimea. Coercion. Once per turn, you may spend one combat card as if it were one resource token. The Crimean faction has a long-standing tradition of selling information to the highest bidder. They may spend one combat card per turn as if it were a resource to pay for something. One combat card to any one resource token, regardless of the number on that combat card. Combat cards are still worth nothing at the end of the game. Nordic, swim. Your workers may move across rivers. Nordic workers are accomplished swimmers who refuse to complain even when wading through the coldest of waters. They may move across rivers onto any type of terrain except lakes. This ability applies only to the workers, not the character or the mechs. Plania, Meander. Pick up to two options per encounter card. Thanks to Anna's charismatic bear companion, Botchek, the pair tend to stretch short encounters into longer adventures. Instead of picking just one option per encounter card, the Planian faction may choose up to two different options per encounter card in any order. The benefit from the first selected option may be used to pay the cost for the second selected option. Only one encounter card is drawn. Saxony, dominate. There is no limit to the number of stars you can place from completing objectives or winning combat. Saxony's methodical approach to conquering the eastern lands surrounding the factory is all about asserting force and completing specific missions. The Saxon faction may complete both of their objective cards. They don't discard the second card after achieving the first, and they are not limited to two combat victory stars. If Saxony has available stars after winning combat, they must place the star. Designer's note, 
One of the subtle benefits of some of these faction abilities is that they help to teach and remind players of the global rules of Scythe by breaking those rules. For example, when you read that the Rusviet faction can choose the same section of their player mat on subsequent turns, you also learn that under normal circumstances, you can't choose the same section twice in a row. In a game with lots of rules to remember, I found that these subtle reminders really help. Combat. Combat may happen at the end of a player's move action, after all units have moved, but before the player takes the bottom row action. If that player's character and or mech share a territory with an opponent's character and or mech, combat occurs. It's possible for this to happen on multiple territories. In that case, the active player, the attacker, chooses the order in which the combat occurs. Combat happens only between the two players whose units share a territory, either of whom can gain a star for winning the combat. Other players may try to influence the combating player by bribing them with coins. See alliances and bribes. No requirements. You may initiate combat even if you have zero power and or zero popularity. Attacker advantage. If the attacking player has a mech ability that impacts combat, they use that ability first, followed by the defending player. Also, if combat results in a tie, the attacking player wins. Select power. Simultaneously and secretly, select a number on your power dial. Align the number with the icon at the top right. That is the amount of power you will spend, so you cannot choose a number higher than the amount of power you currently have on the power track. The dial goes up to 16, but you can only spend up to 7 power on your power dial. Add combat cards, optional. By default, for each of your units involved in the current combat, character and or mechs, you may tuck one combat card from your hand behind the power dial. You may do this even if you select zero power on your power dial. The number of combat cards you have in hand is public information, but during combat you may conceal whether or not you've used any of those cards. The combat deck contains the following cards. 16 cards with 2 power, 12 cards with 3 power, 8 cards with 4 power, and 6 cards with 5 power. Designer's Note you might be surprised by how few combats happen in a game of Scythe, especially given the universal presence of mechs in Jacob's art. However, if you look at all of the illustrations, you'll notice that very few of the mechs are actually fighting. In that way, Scythe is just as much about the threat of combat as it is actual combat. If your neighbor has built up a big pool of power and combat cards, you're less likely to attack them. Simultaneously, you might position workers on key territories to dissuade more aggressive players from attacking there due to the loss of popularity if they win. It is this tension that exemplifies the core theme of Scythe, the intersection of farming and war. Reveal. Both players reveal their power dials and selected combat cards simultaneously. The value provided by any combat cards provides an additional bonus to the power you spend from the power track as indicated on your power dial. The player with the highest total power wins the combat. Ties go to the attacking player. Both players then pay the amount of power they selected on their power dials, and they discard any combat cards they used face up. You don't adjust the power track for combat cards. They are just a temporary boost. Winner. The winner gains, or maintains, control of the territory and all resource tokens on it. The winner also places one star token in the combat space of the triumph track. See placing stars, if they haven't already placed two stars for combat victories. If the winner was the attacker, they lose one popularity for each worker they force to retreat by initiating and winning combat. 
Also, if there was an encounter token on the territory and the winner has a character there, they now perform the encounter. Loser. The loser must retreat all of their units, mechs, characters, and workers from the combat territory to their home base. Pick up those units and put them down on their home base. All resources those units were carrying remain on the territory and are now under the control of the winner. If the loser reveals at least one power on the dial or through combat, they gain one combat card as they retreat. Limited stars and game end. Each player can gain a maximum of two stars for winning combat, with the exception of the Saxon player, who can gain unlimited combat victory stars. But they may still engage in future combats after they achieved all those two stars. If your sixth star is placed, but you still have a combat remaining on your turn, the game ends and all units you move to initiate the combat will move back to the territory from whence they came. Battle in a lake. Lake battles can happen between factions like Polania and Nordic that have activated lake-related mech abilities. If a mech transporting workers is attacked while on a lake, the attacker wins combat. The attacking player loses one popularity for each of those workers. They are forced to retreat with the mechs to their home base. Example, John takes a move action, first moving his character onto an unoccupied farm, then moving a mech carrying two workers onto a territory controlled by Sandra. Sandra has her character, a mech, a worker, and three food tokens on that territory. John has 10 power and Sandra has four. This is shown on the power track on the board. John turns his dial to select seven. He has one combat unit, the mech, so he can add one combat card from his hand, but he chooses not to do so. Sandra decides to spend four power on her power dial. She has both her character and a mech on the territory, so she can spend up to two combat cards if she wants to. She chooses to just play a three power card and tucks it behind her power dial. When they both finalize their decisions, they reveal their power dials at the same time. Sandra groans. She's tied to John's total power, seven to seven, but the attackers win ties. So John takes over the territory and the three food, and Sandra's units retreat back to her home base. John loses one popularity because, as the attacker, he forced one worker to retreat. He also places a combat victory star on the board. Sandra's only compensation is that she gets to draw a combat card since she reveals at least one power on the dial or through combat cards. Strategy tip. Just because an opponent has a lot more power than you doesn't necessarily mean they'll win in combat against you. They don't know how much power you will spend or the amount of power your combat cards will add. Combat cards aren't worth anything at the end of the game, so spend them early and often. The puzzle of combat is outwitting your opponent especially when they think they're going to win. Encounters. As your character treks across Eastern Europa, they will encounter a number of local people and situations. Each encounter will present you with three options to determine how you want to interact with the people. The choice you make will often impact the people's view of you, represented in the game by your popularity. When you move your character onto a territory with an encounter token on it, their movement ends and they cannot move again this turn. When your move action is completely over and you've resolved all combats, but before you take a bottom row action, if applicable, discard the encounter token and draw an encounter card. Only characters will trigger an encounter. Show the art to the other players and reveal the thematic text, the text in all caps, out loud. 
Then read through the various costs and benefits on the options and choose one. You must choose one and pay the cost if applicable, though you may gain as much of the benefit as you'd like. After you make your selection, discard the encounter card to the bottom of the encounter's deck face down. Required cost and optional benefit. If you don't have popularity or coins to pay for certain options, those options aren't available. You may gain as much of the benefit as you like, i.e. if a benefit would give you a medal and one worker, but you don't want the worker, you can just gain the medal. Benefit location. Any resources, structures, mechs, or workers you gain from the encounter card go on to the same territory as your character, i.e. where the encounter took place. Isolated cost and benefit. If an encounter card instructs you to gain something or to perform an action, you do not pay any additional costs or gain any additional benefits beyond those on the encounter card, nor do you trigger any recruit ongoing bonuses. Combat. If a character moves onto a territory with an encounter token and an opponent's mech, thus initiating combat, the encounter only happens after the character wins combat. Otherwise, the encounter token remains on the territory. Number. The number in the upper left corner is just for referencing the card for questions posted on places like BoardGameGeek.com or StoneMireGames.com. Designer's Notes We made a specific design decision with the beautifully illustrated encounter cards. Rather than tell the players what they're seeing through a label or flavor text, we'll let you use your eyes to see the scene you've stumbled upon. There's often a lot happening in these scenes. It's usually not just one specific thing that's happening. And the three options explain the various ways in which you can act. Encounter cards are shown to all players when they're drawn, so your gaming group can integrate as much or as little of the story into the way they play Scythe as they like. We're giving you the same visual freedom you'd experience if you stumbled upon these scenes in real life rather than restricting you to the limitations of flavor text. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words. The Factory the factory is the centerpiece of the scythe board. It is a place of technological innovation and untapped power. Unlike most other territories, the factory does not produce any resources. At the end of the game, the factory is worth a total of three territories instead of just one to the player who controls it. When your move action is completely finished, after winning combat if necessary, if your character is on the factory for the first time this game, look through the factory cards on the board. You must choose one card and return the rest to the board. The first player to look at those cards will see cards equal to the number of players plus one. Each subsequent player to visit the factory with their character will see one fewer card. It's good to get there first. Factory Cards Each factory card is the equivalent of a fifth section of your player mat. Place it next to your player mat. Using Factory Actions The factory card is treated as any other section of your player mat. On your turn, you may place your action token on the factory card and take one or both actions, starting with the top row action if you choose to take both. Separate from player map bonuses. Even if the factory action does something similar to another action on your player mat, they're completely independent of one another. So you get neither recruit ongoing bonuses, structure bonuses, nor coins from similar actions on your player mat. Move. All factory cards have a bottom row move action. It's a little different than a standard move action, as it says, move one unit up to two times within the same move action, consistent with other rules. All other rules for movement still apply, 
especially those that say that the entire move action ends if your character moves onto a territory with an encounter token, or a character or mech moves onto a territory occupied by an opponent's units. Mine. If you have a mine, you may move through the mine with this move action. Speed. If you've unlocked the speed mech ability, one of your mechs or your character may move up to three territories with this move action. One card limit. You may have, at most, one factory card, the one you choose the first time your character goes to the factory. Permanent selection. Your selection is permanent. You may not switch your factory card for another card if your character ends a future move action on the factory. Example. The factory card on page 25 allows you to pay one popularity to enlist a recruit or perform an upgrade. Or skip the top row action. Then you may move any one unit up to two times. Strategy tip. Don't underestimate the power of being able to move every turn. Without a factory card, you can only move once every other turn, but once you get that card, you become much more nimble and responsive than players without that capacity. Objectives. Each player starts the game with two objective cards that are kept secret from the other players. You may reveal a completed objective card during your own turn before or after you complete a top or bottom row action. If you do, Place one star token on the objective space of the triumph track and discard the card along with your other objective to the bottom of the objective deck. You can only achieve one objective star, unless you're the Saxon player who can achieve up to two objective stars. You may wait to reveal your completed objective if you wish, but you must meet the entire objective requirement at the time you reveal it. Designer's Note it may seem a little odd that each player has two objective cards, but may only complete one of them. There are a few reasons for this. The alternative would be to have each player draw two cards at the beginning of the game and keep one. However, I prefer not to ask players to make decisions before the game begins, as it makes the game more welcoming to new players and gives experienced players more freedom depending on how the game starts to play out. The second is that it gives players the flexibility to change strategies mid-game. Maybe you were pursuing one strategy, but that strategy didn't end up working out. No problem, you still have another objective card to use. Alliances and Bribes Players may make informal agreements, i.e. I won't attack you this turn if you don't attack me next turn. The only tangible items that may be exchanged are coins. In tournament play, coins may not be exchanged for deals or alliances. You can't negotiate your way out of a combat that has already begun. That is, if a player moves their character and or mech onto a territory you control with your character and or mech, at the end of their move action, the two of you must engage in combat. You can't pay them off at that point, though you could try to influence the outcome. Agreements made between players are not enforceable. Placing stars. When you reach a pinnacle of empire building, your faction rewards you with a star. Stars are worth coins at the end of the game. Here are the ways to place stars as shown on the triumph track. Complete all six upgrades, deploy all four mechs, build all four structures, enlist all four recruits, have all eight workers on the board, reveal one completed objective card, win combat up to two times, have 18 popularity, have 16 power. When you achieve one of these goals, you must place a star on the appropriate space on the triumph track. You cannot lose a star after you've placed it. 
For example, if you place a star for reaching 18 popularity, and you later drop below 18, the star remains on the track. By default, each player may complete each of these goals exactly one time. Having a star on a goal does not prevent other players from placing their stars on the same goal. Strategy tip. You can't place more than six stars, so it's generally better to focus on completing six specific goals than trying to do a little of everything. Game end and scoring. The game immediately ends when a player places their sixth star token, even if they have other things they could do that turn or other things that would happen afterwards. Edge cases. If the sixth star comes from taking a bottom row action, gain the primary benefit, the coins, and the recruit ongoing benefit before placing the star. If you have units, characters, mechs, or workers remaining on a territory with an opponent's units from a move action, you must undo that portion of your move action, returning the units to the territory they moved from. If you place a star for total popularity or total power as a recruit bonus on an opponent's turn, that placement happens after the opponent takes the action, i.e. build a structure, in clockwise order and only if that opponent didn't place their sixth star by taking that action. Sample scoring round. The first time you play Scythe, we recommend that you run a sample scoring round during the game so players have a feel for the actual endgame scoring in advance. After any player places their first star, pause the game to let players calculate their current score. This is just for the sake of example. This scoring does not actually happen until the end of game. End of game scoring. Accumulate your final fortune, coins you had before the game end was triggered plus end game coins, to determine the winner. You should have a mound of coins in front of you before announcing the total to the other players. To determine how many coins you earn for each of the three scoring categories, look at your level on the popularity track and pick up coins for that category. Do this on your own. There is no need for a banker. Example, if you have 10 popularity, you will earn $4 for every star you placed, $3 for each territory you control, and $2 for each two resource tokens you control. If you have 18 popularity, you score within the 13 to 17 popularity level. Designer's Notes Scythe incentivizes players to end the game, if possible, by making stars worth coins and denying additional turns to opponents. This may result in some opponents having one fewer overall turns than the players who place their final star. Variant Delay of Game Because of the various endgame scoring categories and their connection to popularity, it's difficult for a player to determine who is in the lead. This is intentional. However, it is possible for a player to interrupt the game to calculate the final score for each player as they plan out their next few moves. That's not fun for anyone. The delay of game variant says that if a player delays the game while the game is being played, not during endgame scoring, for more than 10 seconds by trying to calculate the final score, they lose to popularity. Scoring categories. Coins in hand. The coins you accumulated during the game count for endgame scoring. Every star token placed. Gain coins for every star token you placed during the game. Every territory controlled. Gain coins for every territory you control, including lakes. Home bases aren't territories. You control each territory where you have a worker, mech, or character, or where you have a structure, but no enemy units. Factory. 
At the end of the game, the factory is counted as three territories to the player who controls it. Every two resources controlled. Gain coins for every two resource tokens you control, i.e., if you control 13 resource tokens and have 10 popularity, you'll gain a total of 12 coins. Workers are not a resource. You control all resources on territories where you have a character, worker, mech, or a structure not occupied by an opponent's unit. Structure bonus tile. Gain coins based on the number of structure bonuses you achieved. You gain this bonus even if you don't control the territories your structures are on. Declaring the winner. Announce your coin total and the player with the most coins wins. If multiple players have the same total, use the following as tiebreakers in order. 1. Number of workers, mechs, and structures. 2. Power. 3. Popularity. 4. Number of resource tokens controlled. 5. Number of territories controlled. 6. Number of star tokens placed on the board. Achievement Sheet. The winner of the game may write their name up to two times on the achievement sheet to memorialize their victory. The document commemorates the first time any player wins under a certain condition, i.e. the first victory with a specific faction. Characters. You are represented on the board by your character, who has been sent on a mission to make your faction's claim to the uncharted lands surrounding the defunct factory. Each character unit is comprised of a person and their animal companion. While each of the characters appear to be functionally the same as others, their unique abilities are manifested in their respective faction and mech abilities. A full backstory for each of the characters can be found on the Stonemeyer game website, but here is a short description of each one. Anna and Wojciech, Polania Republic. An expert marksman and a helpful bear, Anna and Wojciech travel across the country during the Great War, becoming living legends as they distinguished themselves in battle and showed compassion to even the poorest farmers. With the factory shut down and rumors swirling about a growing Russiat force, Anna and Wojciech have accepted a mission to ensure the unity and independence of Polania by securing the eastern border and patrolling the lands surrounding the factory. Gunther von Duisburg with Nacht and Tag, Saxony Empire. During the war, Gunther and his wolves led elite mech squads across the forest and mountains of Saxony and Europa. His name was both feared and respected, and his jacket grew heavy with medals of honor. Now that the war is over, the Emperor has asked Gunther to embark on a new adventure to the east, where he sees a fresh opportunity to expand the Saxony foothold on the unclaimed lands surrounding the factory. Tag is shown on several encounter cards, but she is not part of the character miniature. Zara and Kar, Crimean Khanate, the firstborn daughter of the Khan of the Crimea Tartars, Zara is able to see through her eagle's eye, heightening her already formidable skill with the bow. Though her father was loath to adopt the factory's advances, he realized that the world was changing and he could not leave the Kahanate exposed to its rivals. Reluctantly, he has tasked his daughter with an expedition to the north for the purpose of acquiring more modern technology and ensuring lasting peace for their people. Bjorn and Max, Nordic Kingdom. Bjorn, the descendant of the renowned Viking family, was saved from perishing in a blizzard by a kindly Mushkox. After surviving the ordeal, Bjorn took the creature as his mount and named him Mox. Together they embarked on a series of adventures across the land, serving as ambassadors to the other tribes, executing military operations, and seeking out new oil reserves. The king has now sent them southward to add new villages and farms to the kingdom, either by diplomacy or by force.
as well as to explore the factory with the hope of gaining a technological advantage for future wars. Olga Romanov and Changa, Rusviet Union When Olga's first love, Viktor, went missing during the Great War, she vowed to find him again. She joined the Rusviet Military Intelligence Service with Changa, her Siberian tiger, at her side. With her intelligence and ambition, she has quickly risen through the ranks and has used her newly earned authority to launch a full-blown invasion into the Western lands, a desperate attempt to find her beloved Viktor, with the full strength of the Rusviet military at her back. Highlighted Rules Resources All units, characters, mechs, and workers can carry around resources, any number. Turns and player mats on your turn, you must choose a different section of your player mat than you did the previous turn. Take either the top row action, the bottom row action, or both, starting with the top row action. First pay the full cost of the action, all icons on exposed red boxes, then gain the benefit, exposed green boxes. If you select a bottom row action, the player to your left may start their turn while you decide exactly which upgrade, mech, structure, or recruit you will gain. Remember to take the coin from the bottom row actions. Move action. You must move different units, not the same unit multiple times. You may choose only to use part of the move action if you only want to move one unit. A mech can transport workers as part of its movement. Then one of those workers can also move. Produce action. Produce on two different territories. Each worker on those territories may produce one resource unit. So if you have three workers on a forest and two workers on a farm, a produce action generates three wood on the forest and two food on the farm. Workers. Workers are not a resource, but they are produced on villages just like resources are produced on other terrains. Just as with any produce action, first pay the full cost on all exposed red boxes on the produce action, then produce the workers by taking the meeple from your player mat left to right. You may choose not to produce a worker, as it can increase the cost of future produce actions. Once produced, workers may never return to your player mat. Trade. When taking the trade action, choose any two resource tokens, either the same or different types, and place them on a territory you control that contains a worker. Bolster. Gain power on the power track or draw combat cards. If the combat card deck runs out, shuffle the discard pile to form a new deck. Bottom row actions. You may continue to pay to take a bottom row action for the coins even after you've achieved a star for the action. This will continue to trigger recruit ongoing bonuses. Upgrade. Pick up a technology cube from any green box on your player mat and place it on any red bracketed box on your player mat. Mechs. Only mechs may carry around workers, any number of workers, not characters. Mech abilities apply to all mechs and your character. Each faction has a slightly different Riverwalk mech ability. If a mech has the speed ability, it may pick up and drop off workers and resources mid-movement. Riverwalk. Each faction has a slightly different version of the Riverwalk ability, allowing them to move across rivers onto two specific terrain types. Structures. Only a single structure may be present on each territory. Structures cannot be built on lakes. Recruits. Gain a one-time recruit bonus when taking the enlist action. From then on, gain a recruit ongoing bonus whenever you or the player to your left or right take the bottom row action corresponding to that bonus. Combat. Only characters and mechs participate in combat, 
moving a character or mech onto a territory containing an opponent's worker is not combat. Ties are won by the attacker. If the loser of combat revealed any power during the combat, either on the power dial or via combat cards, they gain a combat card. Both the winner and loser must pay the power selected on the power dial. Retreating workers, forced. You only lose popularity for forcing an opponent's workers to retreat on your turn. That is, if you are attacked by a mech with workers on it and you win the combat, you do not lose one popularity for forcing each of those workers to retreat. On your turn, you may force opponent's workers to retreat even if you don't have enough popularity. Encounters. Only characters may have encounters. To choose an option on the encounter card, you must be able to pay the cost, if any. All resources, units, or structures gained from an encounter card go on the territory where the encounter occurred. Benefits from encounters do not trigger recruit ongoing bonuses. Factory. Only characters may claim factory cards, one per player. Actions taken on factory cards do not trigger recruit ongoing bonuses or structure bonuses. Objectives. You may reveal a completed objective on your turn. Discard the other objective card, unless you're playing Saxony. Star placement. Once a player places a star on the triumph track, it cannot be removed. Having a star on a goal does not prevent other players from placing their stars on the same goal. If a player places their sixth star, the game immediately ends. Nothing else happens other than end game scoring. End game scoring. At the end of the game, remember to include coins you earned during the game as part of your final coin total. When scoring for territorial control, you control a territory and all resources on it if you have a unit there or if you have a structure there, unless an opponent has units on that structure's territory. Make sure to only score for every two resource tokens you control, not every resource token. And that is the rulebook for Scythe. I'll be honest, Scythe is not a game I have played often. Uh, when I did play it, I did enjoy it for the most part, although it was a bit different of an experience than I was expecting. I was expecting more of a war game from the presence of mechs, which obviously is not the case now that I've read the rulebook. The mechs are more to be in a cold war with your opponents, and the game tends to be more about engine building and gathering resources. So. If you're looking for something that's very conflict-heavy, this would not be the right game. But if you're looking for something with looming content while building up your engine, Scythe is perfect for that. There's honestly quite a bit of resources online from how-to play videos to playthrough videos to guides that can really teach you a lot about the in-depth strategy of Scythe and show you a bit more than just the rulebook. But I hope you enjoyed listening to the episode today. If there's any specific rulebook you want to hear, leave a comment under any of the reading rulebook videos on the MCG YouTube channel. For more content, check out makecraftgame.com. And remember to like, comment, and subscribe anywhere you find me. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I'll catch you next time on Reading Rulebooks. Books.